the past. He used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello! Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the podcast that isn't panicking. No, no, not even a bit. You're the one that's panicking. And on this totally relaxed show this week, Uni Balls, we look back at a dismal defeat against Ipswich. Superb Owls, Wednesday next up. Ah! Woke left. Who's the answer to Bolton's wing-back problems? And we revive Danny Shitu because we will try anything to get the Wanderers winning again. But first, there is a March sale on, and for three quid, you can get three whole months of unlimited articles on the Bolton News website, including our exclusive build-up to the Papa John's Trophy final. On Saturday the 1st of April, day before the final, the Bolton News will be doing a special pull-out supplement for Wembley. All the interviews from present and former players, loads of analysis, loads of photos that you just won't be able to get anywhere else. Unless, of course, you are a subscriber online. All those stories will be premium stories available only to the people who subscribe to the paper. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe to take advantage of the £3 for three months offer. Make sure you get plenty to read ahead of the Plymouth game. And on with the show, and it's time to introduce my podcast co-host, a calm head in these troubled times, a man who's going to do for the Buff Podcast what Des Lynham did for Grandstand, it's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'm good. Now it's Thursday, now we've had a few days to settle down, I'm good, but um, after the results, some of the results, oh no, it's Wednesday, sorry, we're recording this week. (laughs) But um, after some of the results last night, though, it's, it's getting a bit twitchy, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to take back that Des Lynham comment now. He's, he can't even tell you what day of the week it is. Uh, yeah, fair enough. More Mark Pugach then. Um, yeah, I've, I mean, it's been a difficult few days. It's been a difficult few days because there was the obvious meltdown. We knew there would be a meltdown if... Um, because performances haven't been great, results have, have dipped at a difficult time. It's not the worst time it could have happened, but it certainly um, makes life difficult. And it's, well, we've been here before, haven't we? We've been here in this dark room, uh, wallowing in despair, but I don't suppose they can they can hang around and, and let that happen to them. I mean, first of all, let's let's look at the game. Let's, let's try and, and analyse it a little bit, because... It was probably as bad a performance at home as there has been this season. Yeah, I thought we started the season very well. Sorry, we started the the game very well, and then, um, yeah, he just Bradley had his chance. There were one or two bits of play in the area, but then when that didn't come off, yeah, he just. Um, Ipswich took control. It reminded me of the Sheffield Wednesday game, to be honest. Ipswich, mm. I don't think they necessarily needed to get out of third gear, but they were just starting playing really well. They, Ironically, they're in a position that we were in a few weeks ago where they've, they've not conceded in like five games and they've won them all. Um, but uh, but yeah, they. I put Ipswich in the Sheffield Wednesday bracket of teams that have, have just looked at you know, that slight step above 
this season uh, and credit to them. But yeah, it, it, I just nothing went right, did it? And it, obviously the no. penalty as well. It just it was just one of those days. I think the the midfield, much like Sheffield Wednesday, where we were kind of pointing at the Bannons and and such like. I think Luongo and, and Morsey drove that performance really from Ipswich. They they seem to dominate midfield, and, and all of a sudden Bolton looked like a really young team. Certainly Shoratiri, uh Mbete. Morley even Bradley at times you know they they're starting against certain teams to to they're an experience just showing through a bit yeah um I think that was the main area for me was that midfield and uh you know I know the first goal kind of came from that area you know it's I know he got the ball on the edge of the penalty area but then he's he's they've counter-attacked and scored second goal with free header from a corner it just yeah, they just showed their, their experience uh, a little bit more. But, you know, I, I, as we've discussed with Ipswich, you know, that's what paying a million pounds on three or four players. I may be wrong with that, but it seems that way. But that's what it gets you. It gets you that, that championship talent. And, I, you know, you if you're an Ipswich fan, you're probably looking and thinking, well, why are we third with that, you know, that team? They should be they should be where Sheffield Wednesday are. But... Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's. Is I mean, for you watching on, is it alarm bells? Is it or is it just in a similar way to the kind of NK Don's away game last year? Is it just sort of settled everyone down a bit and made us realise where we are and we are just a playoff team? Uh, there's probably an element to that. I think you'd have to have been a real optimist to look at that top two, even a couple of weeks ago when the results were going well and thought, yeah, Bolton are going to catch it. You know, it was a, it was a, an outside chance, but I think realistically, Bolton are aiming at the top six. If they don't get there, then it probably will be a disappointing season, cup final or not. And there's the pressure that these players have on their shoulders now, because if they do drop away, and we'll have a little chat about the, the midweek uh, results and what they did. But there's there's teams knocking on the door there. And there's, there are three or four teams now that are getting their act together and getting results together. So there is pressure building. And, and obviously with Sheffield Wednesday coming up on Friday and then you've got such a long gap with the final as well until you get back to league football. There's a lot of... There's a lot of faith being placed on the fact that they will just pick up and start winning games in that final eight, as it'll be then. Um, all, pretty much all, winnable games for me. But you are expecting Bolton to be in, you know, fine fettle by that point in time. It might not be the case. So there's, it's it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. I think they could really, I mean light years of good they could do for themselves by putting in a good performance at Sheffield Wednesday. It cannot be another Ipswich and let that then kind of flop into the final, probably a bit of pressure off in the final. And this is obviously it's a standalone game, but really, you know, in terms of the, the, the damage it could do um, to the league position, to the, to the situation they come back into, um, they could really do again something. But I mean, what about you? I mean, a lot of the players who were shining a couple of weeks ago are maybe just starting to to rock a bit, tire a bit. I don't know, Dion with his penalty, for example, any worries there? Well, I mean, the main concern for me with that is that I don't understand why 
Shoretere and Areviejo were trying to take it off him. Yeah, I think that didn't help things. Shoretere, I think he was do. He tried it against Peterborough as well. I think or another one, and he's like, I, I don't understand. For me, when Dion Charles is clearly our penalty taker, he, up to that point he hadn't missed at all. I don't understand why those players are trying to take the ball off him. He's. I don't know whether it's a. I don't know whether that's a worrying thing. Is it a discipline thing? Because, yeah. you know, you look at the top teams and they know their roles. For me, having two players trying to take the the, the ball off him is, is is really disappointing. I don't think it helped him. I think it, you know, it's clearly... I mean, the thing the thing for me, with Dion Charles's um, penalty style, uh, I always worry he's going to miss because he is. Uh, he, I mean, he's he's had a great record, but it's not like a, he's a very um, calm penalty. T- you know, like he's not like a Ivan Tony where he'll, he's got style or he's not blasting it in the net. Mm. He's placing it, and I think uh, so. I I always do worry, even though he hasn't missed before. But yeah, I don't. I just I I don't think all of that helped him. Um, mm. But but to be fair to Dion, he's still he's still running about. I thought he still put a shift in. Other than that, he didn't really get any chances, and I guess that's where you you'll judge strikers on. But um, I thought he's still running about for a good eighty minutes or whatever long he played. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I do I, I do feel that some of the players are tiring a little bit. I, you know, I think having a six days until this next game and in two weeks will probably help them. Um, you know, and and I think that's perhaps what we need before the Wembley game is just that bit of a break because there's going to be a lot of palaver going on around it. And if you're playing, say, on the Tuesday before it or the Saturday before it, maybe, um, you know, we don't have time to rest. So I think just get through this game. You know, hopefully we can get a result. If not, don't let it be a, a whitewash and then uh, and then move on to the final. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think performance is key now with Sheffield Wednesday. It can't be a another one where they feel they ha- haven't given enough or, or come off the field with, with heads bowed like they did on Saturday against Ipswich. Um, the stuff, the shenanigans around the penalty, I mean, I have to say at the time, I don't look all Arsene Wenger, but I was tapping away you know, as as I do, um, I didn't see the stuff with Charitieri and, and Adebayo trying to get the ball. It, as you say, it has happened before. It's been mentioned before. So maybe that's something need to look at. That needs to be completely seamless. Once a penalty is given, it needs to be in somebody's hands. Um, and that's that's that. The last thing you need to do. But actually, on the edge of the area as well, you had uh, Morsi and a couple of others encroaching, and then they were complaining to the referee that the ball was uh, was off the spot. The keeper got booked, I think, at one stage as well. So there was loads going on. There was loads going on, and, and there's you know nobody misses on purpose, of course. But I think all that did add to it for Dion. Um, the the one thing I like to talk about really before we go into everything else that we do um, is is confidence and the fact that it's such an important commodity for Wanderers the way they want to play football we talk about it all the time this kind of expansive brand that Ian Everett wants to play that looks great when the players are cocksure and then you know they're brave on the ball and they're willing to to make calculated gambles. Unfortunately, when that confidence disappears, for whatever reason, 
it really doesn't look good. And that's where we found ourselves on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, I just think we, we got beaten by a better team on the day and a more savvy team. And that you said there about the penalty, I think they are more savvy than we are. I think that's what we are. We do miss at times is just that savviness of, of you know, these little tricks that teams play. And, and they've, just like Sheffield Wednesday, you know, they were doing it when they, they got 2 0 up and then they were doing it. So I think that's what these teams have that just bit more about them. Um, and I think with our style of play, that, you know, I, I know a lot of people have said that we do need a plan B. We play very well when it's working, but I feel it, it only works when teams allow us to play that way. Uh, when you've got teams that don't allow us to play that way, then that's where we, we struggle a little bit. But, mm. you know, saying that, We've scored quite a few goals from set pieces this season, so we are getting that that bit into our game. But yeah, I just you could tell with a team on Saturday, just you were that tiredness there. I thought the first goal had a bit of that, you know, sort of a, a, a pass that their their fullback has, has nipped in and, and took off us. There were elements of that, you know, like just them being first to the ball a bit more. And I don't know whether you know they. I don't. I don't know the stats. They might have played. Uh, had more. They might have played more players than we have. So therefore, they're fresher. It certainly looked that way. So um, yeah, like I said, I think we just need this break and just to hopefully come back refreshed. Because um, funnily enough, Plymouth. Uh, obviously, if those who remember, we were meant to play Plymouth next week and we moved it forward. So they don't have a game as well um, after this weekend. So both teams are in the same position, really. Yeah, interesting, interesting. The mood in the camp, what is it like, you might ask? So I actually managed to catch up with Connor Bradley and that's exactly the question I asked him. How damaging was the Ipswich result? I mean, we know the, the game plan works best when you're confident and you've got to be brave on the ball, you know, you've got to want the ball and it all that all changes if, if you, you lose a bit of confidence. But how easy is it just to say, right, be confident? It's it's, it's not that simple. No, it? no, it's nearly impossible to do that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, confidence is a hard thing. Um, it comes and goes throughout the season. But um, yeah, we just mainly need to start trusting each other a bit more mm. and just keep trying to play the, the way we were. So, um, But I think it'll come sooner rather than later, definitely. Just looking at the faces after Saturday, it was a bad day at the office, wasn't it? So, what's the reaction been like this week? Um, we were all disappointed, obviously, on Saturday. And then we debriefed it on Tuesday and went for it and stuff like that. So, um, we've just tried to put it to bed, really, and mm. move on from it. And obviously learn from it, things we didn't do, and the passing patterns and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I feel like we've moved on now this week and hopefully we can put that to rest. On Friday night. Okay, it's that time of the week where Henry picks out the best stories, which just so happen to come from my very own newspaper. Lay them on me. News. It's funny that, isn't it? Every every week that happens. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> Right, well, the first one is just, just really carrying on from what we just spoke about. And it's, um, you know, you put this out on Sunday. It, it had a lot of fans talking. Uh, Ian Ebert has, uh, has said that the nervousness he sensed in the stadium is, is more of a hindrance to the players 
than helping them. Um, fans have took this the wrong way. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll start by listening to the clip in context. Is that a concern that the level of performance in the last few games, I guess, not reaching the levels you know they're capable of? Um, yeah, whenever we don't reach the levels that they're capable of, it's a concern. Um, I, I believe in the team, I believe in the players, and I believe they'll bounce back. Um, for now, as I said, we just need to to stay focused, stay concentrated on the job, um, stay confident, which at the moment I can feel a bit of confidence draining. Um, you know, some of our playing out patterns first half, understandably the crowd are getting nervous and it makes everybody else nervous. That's all it does, it hinders us. So just I want us all just to stick together. It's it's tough. Sticky spells are tough, but it's how we manage those sticky spells which will really define the rest of our season. So yeah, head down, regroup, reset and go again. So that's exactly what Ian Everett said. And the hindrance, in my opinion, was the nervousness, not the fans. The fans are not the hindrance, the nervousness. Now, obviously, that goes hand in hand. It was the nervousness that crept into the fan base. The, the, that, that kind of groan and moan that we often see when times aren't going well at Bolton. You kind of have that echo around the stadium, murmur around the stadium. Um especially when there's a big crowd in, because it was 20,000 plus. Um, I certainly never saw what Ian Everett said as any lash out at the fans. But, and this is a big but, I do think the atmosphere was a strange one at the weekend. I don't think it was quite as buoyant as it has been, even you know when they've gone a goal behind or when they haven't played so well. Um, I do wonder why that is, whether it's just an amalgamation of a tough February and, and performances have dipped and maybe people are just starting to get a little bit nervous as well. But it goes back to what we said about confidence. It erodes really quickly. And I think that when Bolton don't have that kind of bravery on the ball, it it really does. The, the, the sort of house of cards falls quite quickly. And... That's that is an issue because I think it is fragile. I think it's a fragile ecosystem. I think a couple of results and all of a sudden Bolton go from playing fantastic football to really not, you know, not being able to string anything together. And for the past few games, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. There must be they must find some kind of safety net behind it all that that makes makes it you know slightly more tolerable you know what I mean it's it's it, it can't be allowed to go from you know 10 down to one so quickly yeah I, I should be honest I did sense the um the nervousness in this in the ground and I think it came from it came from a few things I think it came from the the that it was a big match um and a lot of people it just takes a few you know the the uh, once they get nervous, the rest of the stadium gets nervous. I thought Trafford, his kicking was a bit astray at times, and I don't think that helps. Um, you know, playing it out from the back is... I Personally, and I've said this before, I don't have a problem with that. I think myself, my view on it is that it's easy to, to kick the ball, and this is probably where the stats come from. This is probably why Pep's team, teams do it, is that when you kick the ball from goalkeeper to up to the striker... There's probably a, a 50-50 chance. Or in fact, when you've got Dion Charles, who's who's not as tall as most defenders, you've probably got a 60-40 chance of winning it. Um, so if you kick the ball out, yes, you're in your final, in your your own final third, but you've got the ball. 
and you can you know you've got the possession so i do understand why they do it and i i think you know you look at some of the goals that teams concede you know you watch the itv highlights and there's always a goal every week of a team that's played it out i think mk dons at the start of the season conceded about five or six of these we don't tend to concede those goals there's only a few that we've conceded uh, i think the sheffield wednesday at home one rings a bell where we concede from that position so we're not a team where actually warrants the nervousness to be honest but um but i i could sense it and you could sense the players were a bit yeah just he, he just threw them a little bit and you could just tell that something was you know it, it was gonna going to happen and then they got the goal and it didn't come from playing it out the back it actually played came from playing it across the penalty area pretty much but um yeah i i i get what the manager's saying there i think when there's a nervousness it doesn't help the players and everyone can sense it just as much as when we're attacking and we get a corner and there's that roar from the fans that all encourage them as well they think it works both ways mm, yeah it's chicken and egg obviously the players have got to give the fans something to encourage but i think sometimes yeah it, sometimes it can be lost too quickly i think and and the place was not as lively and and energetic as it normally is i think from very early in the game and, and maybe that just came straight from the players maybe as i say it it was recent form or nervousness when you look at the table and and obviously it's getting to the business end but that's got to change because Bolton have got eight games after the Sheffield Wednesday one where a good chunk of them towards the end of the season are at home as well. I think they've got three in a row at one stage. And if you're playing in that sort of environment, I don't give them a cat in hell's chance. It, no. it, you know, the fans have got... There is a responsibility there as well. People can't, uh, you know, be too uh, quick to jump on the the negativity bandwagon and all that kind of stuff and, and I'm not saying everybody's got to be happy with everything because of course you haven't and everybody's quite entitled for a, a moan and a groan but I'd say probably choose your moments a bit better would be my would be my view on things but hey who knows I am literally just a hired gob in this <laughs> scenario um so yeah let's move on and let's have a, another headline yeah, well, the next headline is about Declan John. Um, a few people noticed before the game that he was missing. I don't even think he was on the bench, actually, was no. he? Um, no, no, no. He so, uh, Ian Everett got asked afterwards, where's Declan John? And he responded and said uh, it wasn't the game for him, uh, but he uh, he could be back for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Jones was at left-back. Do you, how do you think, do, do you think in hindsight we should have played Declan John there? Or can you, can you understand why uh, Ian Everett didn't pick him? Hindsight's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I, I would have said, to be honest, and, and I am being honest, it surprised me that he'd gone back to what hadn't worked at Wickham in, in as much as playing Geth in there, because I think he tried the same sort of thing there, didn't really work, felt, in an attacking sense, it always has an impact when you've got Geth in playing left-hand left side, because... It's just not it's it's not as easy to link up on that side. He's not being a natural left sided player. I understand where he's coming from in terms of uh, Wes Burns, you know, checking in and and getting being more of a a natural defender than either of the other two options that are fit at the moment. Um, Declan is really good going forward. I think he has his moments as a defender, but I don't think he's a natural defender. And, and from what we've seen of Randall Williams, he's, he follows a, a very similar path as well. Um, 
but it just it, it just worries me a little bit that we we are now nine games away from the end of the season. There have been seven different players who have played on that side of the pitch, and we still can't really agree on you know who deserves to be there. You know, common consensus, I think, when you look at social media is often Declan John, and, and that's why there's been quite a big reaction, I think, to the fact he wasn't playing at the weekend. But I, I think there's also a lot you can say about why Declan John isn't in the team. And, and you know, occasionally, uh, like I say, defensively, he's not, not the best in the world. Um, some better teams have targeted him in the past. So it's not a simple one. And it's just a bit, a little bit of a concern, I think, that having gone the full season and having had Bradley so kind of consistent and you don't need to worry about that on that side, that the other side could be the complete mirror opposite. Is it? Is it a concern to you as a supporter? It It is, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think it's it's obviously somewhere where they're going to look in the uh, in the summer, maybe. You know, you want a settled squad, and I think the, the the teams at the top of this league have settled teams and settled squads. You know, I can imagine Sheffield Wednesday have had that, and they're yeah, top of the league. Plymouth definitely have had that. So, um, yeah, it is a it's a slight concern, but I think uh, I think on the whole, it's it is important to remember that we're sixth in the league, and so we have had a good season. If you'd have offered, and I think the manager said this, if you'd have offered everyone at the start of the year, uh, well, you'd be sixth with, you know, by the end of March. And um, you'll be in the Papa John's final. I think everyone would have took that. So it is important for context. And like you said before, we have got winnable games towards the end of the season. So it's not the end of the world. Then um, I think, you know, if we, if we were, say, second in the league, then this wouldn't be a conversation, would it? It wouldn't be a conversation of, well, mm. what, what are we doing at left back? But, um, but it is. And, you know, the, the manager knows best with his. his as you know, we've, he's done well enough in, in his time and his 150 matches, whatever it is. So he's seen that and thought, I would rather have Jones there than uh, than Declan John. But, um, you know, we'll have to see what happens on Friday. And can Is John going to come back in and uh, can he prove people wrong? Because he has proved people wrong a couple of times this season. Yeah, he's pretty good at that. Give Decky's credit. Uh, another headline then. Uh, well, Ian Ever in the last few games has chosen his uh, his youngest, on average, youngest mm. squads of his time, uh, and he's backing the youngsters to come good during the running. Um, do you think that Bolton missed that bit of experience, or, or have the youngsters helped us get to where we are? Well, this is this is the the big one for me this week, and certainly going to Sheffield Wednesday. I think the average age of Bolton's lineup in the last few weeks has been. Um, I think it was 23.6, 23.7. The youngest teams, basically, that, that Ian Everett has ever picked at Bolton Wanderers. Now, I'm not sure whether that is by accident or design. It could be in terms, you know, like the energy levels that they have and it's been a tough February and that the younger ones are the ones that are not feeling it quite as badly. But I think it has had an impact. I think you're asking very young players to cope with a lot of pressure. And we've talked about that atmosphere and, and the the nervousness that crept in kind of understandably to a degree, I think um, it had an impact on the, on the players and, and probably a quicker impact than it may have done with some of the more experienced players. I think when Cameron Jerome and Kieran Lee came on towards the end, for example, I think things picked up a little bit and it, it looked a little bit better. 
Um, whether or not Ian Everett has any regrets over not picking a more experienced team, don't know. I could probably ask him, but I, I would imagine with hindsight, he might well have, have, have tweaked things a little bit. Maybe didn't play Kieran Lee knowing he'd need him on Wednesday, sorry, on, on Friday at, at Wednesday. Uh, don't know, but it's it's a very, very difficult one. It's a very, very difficult one for him because he's got this squad, most of which is comprised of young players, some of which is, you know, young players who play for other clubs. So there is that dynamic there and you are going to have little dips and troughs. That's what happened. Even Connor Bradley, who even James Trafford, who have been over the top end of any young players at this level of football, have had little dips and troughs of, of form here and there. Um, and you're going to have to contend with it. And, and if, if they all do it at the same time, then that's not great news, but it hopefully is only a, a short-term problem. Yeah, um, I think the youngsters have, uh, you know, they've, they've done enough this season to to warrant um, being trusted in the final stages. You said there, Bradley and Trafford have been fantastic, two of our players of the season. And, and yeah, everyone's not going to have a perfect season. You know, Dion Charles has scored 18, 19 goals and he's, people are, yeah, people are questioning him at times. So, um, yeah, I think on the whole, we've we've got a good squad. And like I said before, it's, it's about context and about, I think on the whole, we have done well this season. We are a team that, in my opinion, are in the top six of this league. So we are in a play, you know, playoff team. As we've discussed, we don't have enough uh, guile about us and that that little bit of an edge to get in the top two or three, I don't think. Um, but, you know, I would definitely put us from fourth to sixth. I mean, you look at how, you know, the, how Barnsley have done and, and we played them off the park of it two months ago and they've mm-hmm. suddenly hit form and they're, they're now looking at automatic promotion, whereas Derby have, have hit a little bit of the buffers and, and they're with us fighting out for fifth and sixth. So, um, so yeah, on the whole, the squad is a good squad. It's done well enough. Um, if we got promoted, there probably need to be an overhaul. But at the moment, I think we're a very good League One team and the youngsters help that. Where do you stand with Luke and Betty, by the way? Because obviously his pass went astray, uh, which led to the first goal. I'm not sure you can pin it directly on him because there was a lot of work to do from there. But... Uh, he's an England twenty-one international. He plays for Manchester City. Uh, you you would probably expect him to be a a regular starter for a League One club, but you know my my personal thought is that he's looked a little bit shaky. Is is that shared by you? A little bit, but you know I don't think he's. I saw some of the the stick he'd been getting online the the other day. I don't think he's been that bad. I think he's been good. I think he's settled into the way we play and our defence quite well. Um, you know, I mean, at the moment, it's not really a conversation to be having um, because George Johnson isn't fit. And I think when George Johnson's fit, that's when it's a conversation to be had because then you look and think, well, will Toll go back to, um, you know, that side of the pitch? And Toll as well. Toll's had a bit of a, a, a iffy... Yeah. yeah, he's had a wobble. So um, I think it just happens. And I think that's where... Um, you know, and, and then you, you look at Toll and you think, well, maybe playing for Northern Ireland will be a bit of a change of scene and, and it'll change, you know, it'll get him back to uh, playing how we know he can play. So, 
Yeah, I think Mbete is a good player. I, I, you know, personally, I wouldn't put him in the bracket of Bradley and uh, and um, and Trafford, but I, I think he's still done all right, and he's he's shown promises that he's a he's a good League One player. So, uh, so yeah, I just think he's he's had a, he had a bit of an off day, but I think a lot of the team did. Let's move on then. Another headline. Uh, well, uh, according to Geffen Jones, Friday night is the perfect game to bounce back. I mean, I think uh, I'll probably gauge that after the result, <laughs> to be honest. But um, but does he have a point? Is it a Bolton better off playing Sheffield Wednesday than a, a Forest Green, for example? Well, the pressure will be on Sheffield Wednesday, won't it? I mean, nobody is expecting Bolton to go to Sheffield Wednesday who have... I think they've been unbeaten for 22 games as things stand, all the way back to October. There's obviously a difference between what other people expect and what in-house, in the camp, will expect. And, uh, you know, I, w- I would like to think that uh, th- that they th- feel like they can go anywhere and, and get a result. But, um, yeah, I-, I think... I know where Gethin's coming from. It's it's if if you can go there and if, if you could go there and get something, if you can go there and put in a good performance and get a draw or even even go and win, that could be absolutely transformative for the season and for the Papa John's Trophy final. Um, but I think even if they went there and just played well, I think they would take something from that, something they can build on. It just I just avoid at all costs whatever happened against Ipswich. Yeah, I, I think you know. I think everyone's in that 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 sort of mindset. Is that I don't think Bolton fans. I've seen a few people saying that they fancy we'll get something, but I think that's more of a like me. I've got a funny feeling we'll get something. I think, I think everyone's got this funny feeling that we'll go and get something. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone's realistically thinking we're going to go there and, and win. But. Um, you know they've on this unbeaten record. It's got to stop at some time. So uh, why not on Friday? But um, I yeah, I think if, if like I said before, it all depends on the result. If we win, then yeah, what a game to come back to. Suddenly we've got two weeks and everyone's on a high going into the uh, Papa John's final. Which to be fair, in Bolton's history, it's probably the worst thing when the fans <laughs> fans are on a high. Um, but um, but yeah, if we do lose, it'll be a, a long two weeks. We did speak to Gethin Jones. He was the unlucky guy that was picked for the post-match press conference on Saturday. And we asked him about the younger players in the squad, the pressure they were under at the minute. Here's what he had to say. How do you, what do you say to the younger players there? The, the you know, Shoulders, Connors, Lukes, you know, they've, they've not necessarily been through this before. Um, first of all, I just think every day in training, just do just play with enjoyment. Yeah. If you give the ball away or make a mistake, don't think it's, it's the end of the world because at the end of the day, you're coming here to learn. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I remember my first loan when I was 19 at Plymouth, I made plenty of mistakes and I came away from that loan thinking, wow, I'm not going to make it as a footballer mm-hmm. and you start overthinking stuff. And But I just think every day you need to enjoy it. First and foremost, work hard. That's the most important thing first, coming to training every day, wanting to wanting to work, wanting to improve. If you give the ball away, listen, the first thing we've always said is, if you make a mistake, it's the reaction. The way we want to play expansive football, we are going to make a mistake sometimes. Um, but if you make a mistake, just that react, first five seconds reaction and trying to win the ball back, not put your head down and just we need to just get the, all the lads on board together again. Shall we have another headline, Henry? 
Yeah, well, uh, looking ahead to after the Papa John's final, um, the Cambridge game, which is on Easter Monday, I think, uh, the club have announced that that's their next uh, that's their next family day. So tickets are reduced. I think £10 for adults, £5 for concessions. And uh, I was thinking about this, actually. And if we do beat Plymouth, what a day that'll be. That'll be an incredible day. There'll be over 20,000 there, bank holiday Monday. Uh, and hopefully the sun will be shining. It'll be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking at the crowds this season, up nearly 20% on last year's average, which says that the club's doing something and everybody gets down in the dumps after a bad result. But actually, as you said before, sometimes a little bit of context where you step back and look at the look at the whole season, I think clearly it's, it's not doing too badly and, and too shabbily. People want to watch this football. So, yeah, I think um, it'd be lovely to see another 20,000 uh, gates. I think they've had four already, including Villa in the Carabao Cup. So five, I think there'd be more than that if, if Bolton is still in with a shout um, as we go along. Particularly those last three games, those last three home games will be uh, very well supported. And for a tenner, I can't, uh, I can't see there being better value than that. Let's have another headline. Yeah, well, just going back to Friday then, and it's it's on crowds, and uh, I've noticed that the um, at Hillsborough the away um, capacity uh, has been has been brought down. Yes, uh, for safety. Um, Bolton, I think, as we speak, have sold over two and a half thousand. I think we can we've got three three and a half thousand maybe as a capacity. So, um, I, you know, this I guess. Going forward now in these old stadiums, this is probably going to be something that we'll see quite a lot of, don't you think? I think so. I think Hillsborough is... Uh, uh, unfortunately, the lack of investment at Hillsborough is quite easy to see. The main stand where the press box is and where the hospitality is isn't bad at all. And the the, the ground in general, it's a lo- it, it's it's such an iconic type of ground it's a huge bowl it's such a gladiatorial kind of environment i do love going to hillsborough but as an away supporter and the leppings lane end obviously is carries with it some tragic history but there has been such a such little investment in there it it isn't it hasn't dated well it in terms of the modern grounds it hasn't dated well at all um Newcastle fans raised concerns at the start of the year. I understand that Sheffield Wednesday fans say there were certain inaccuracies in in the way that that was reported at the time, and I'm not going to get into that because I, you know I don't know enough about it, frankly. But I know the um, the freedom of information request that was made to find out why uh, the the council had recommended um, that the capacity got reduced as has flagged up certain things so yes they've lost another thousand off that it's going to be a, a little tiny quadrant of what is a, an absolutely huge stand and all the you know those big concrete corners they've got there are completely out of commission now so uh, Bolton will fit in with what they're taking but um, you you would you would hope that somewhere down the line that that Sheffield Wednesday can get some investment and turn it back into what is a is a wonderful um, wonderful stadium um, or a wonderful place with a with such a rich history of football. I know, um, obviously, uh, you know, going back to '89 and everything that happened there. It, any anything when you start talking about fan safety, there is is going to carry extra cachet. So that's uh, 
that's why there's been quite a strong reaction to it. Um, but uh, just uh, stay safe, Bolton fans, and, and make sure that you enjoy your night. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I've got, to be honest, uh, you know, in the times I've been to Sheffield Wednesday, and I went last season when we lost 1-0, and the uh, I went when Wilbraham scored in the last minute. Mm. That, that stand for away fans, when walking out all at the same time, you feel like you you cattle, it, yeah. you're very squashed in. Like I'm okay, I'm a I'm an adult. If I've got a child with me, I would be very worried. And I, every time I go and every time I come out, I do feel like that. I feel I do feel that this is. And you've got to go down because you're in the upper tier. You've got to go downstairs as well. So I personally wasn't surprised when I saw the stuff in the Newcastle fans. I was not surprised one bit because I did think every time I leave that that stand, I do think. It's a bit ropey, this, you know, and even getting in, you know, because fans want to get in early, they want to have a pint and stuff. Mm. So when you're coming in at, say, 20 to 3, and, you know, there's fans there chanting and, and whatever, which is great, and in most stands it works, you are struggling then to get past people. It's a very tight uh, concourse. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they've done that. And that's nothing against Sheffield Wednesday. And like you said, there's not been investment there. Hopefully, there will be when they, they get up the leagues again and uh, and the ground. Because it's a, a great location. It's a great stadium. It's a historic stadium. And you'd think that they'd like to uh, to do it up a bit. Um, and this is also not me being bitter because, you know, my view was impacted by a post. <laughs> Last time I was there, but um, but no, I I think it it doesn't surprise me. And I think this is the thing with these old stadiums. You need, I think of Everton's as well. I've yeah, not been yeah. in years, but that was the way the way fans are. It's it's, it's not it's not twenty twenty three. It it might have worked in the nineties, the eighties, and and previously, but it's not. You know, we we're all used to modern stadiums now. We're very lucky with our stadium. Is that you know I think. Football Ventures have done a great job in sort of papering over the cracks of the stadium and giving it a new paint job. But I think it is a modern stadium. We all feel safe. We all feel that it's easy access to it um, by car. Obviously, there's different discussions with with buses and trains, or whatever. Oh, don't but start like that again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but on the whole, the stadium is a great stadium. You get a good view wherever you sit, and it's and we're very lucky to have it. And then you do look at teams like Sheffield Wednesday with airs and think, yeah, it needs to be done up. So hopefully this will give them a, a kick up the backside to do it. I've got a massive, massive uh, place in my heart for Sheffield. It's one of my very favourite places in the world, um, and Sheffield Wednesday for that matter. Um, but... Yeah, like you say, I, I just hope they uh, they do find a way of of kind of keeping keeping the stadium, but also making it so that people do feel uh, safer going there, particularly the away fans. Okay, let's finish on a high, Henry. Yeah, and uh, we found out the Bolton Wanderers players and managers' favourite songs uh, oh, this week. Word. I noticed that you'd pointed out that unsurprisingly, your tastes probably align more with Kieran Lee, the elder statesman in the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, a few I noticed. I think someone chose Avicii, and there's a few. Somebody's uh, guilty pleasure was Taylor Swift. Um, mm. It was there was a, a few interesting ones that came up. I have listened and logged everybody's uh, tastes, and uh, as I say before, if you if you'd have looked at those faces and said, right, who are you going to most align with? I thought Kieran Lee, and I think. 
probably. He's, he's, he threw a couple of curveballs in there, but I think probably Kieran Lee has come out of it, in my opinion, the best. Uh, he, he fancied a bit of uh, Arctic Monkeys. Kanye, who was like half the squad said Kanye. Uh, yeah. Stevie Stevie Wonders isn't she lovely, which is without question one of the worst Stevie Wonder songs in the world. But I think there was a sentimental reason for it. Uh, Westlife, Kieran, what are you doing, man? Westlife and Oasis as well, uh, Wonderwall. So it was a bit Route One, but compared to the other guys, it just made me feel really old. And hmm. then the the biggest revelation I think was that Ian Everett did one as well, um, which consisted of a lot of Queen. He's a big Queen fan, apparently. Mm. Um, don't Stop Me Now being a special favourite of his. Um, then we found out that the, he likes The Greatest Showman, um, which he has in, in, in common with my wife and uh, sons who, who play that soundtrack to annoy me. Um, mm. I can't stand that, that film at all. And, and, and Adele. Why is everybody listening to Adele? <laughs> so, I, I, I shouldn't, shouldn't be a great spy. She's the you know biggest selling female artist of the last sort of 20 years. But it just seems to me a little bit incongruous with a group of lads in a football changing room, to be honest. Um, oh, my word. Did you, have you listened to to each one or have you only listened to a few? Uh, no, I've just seen the video that they put out on social media where they all went through them. I think uh, I'm a big fan of um, Kanye West music. And yes. I want to point, point <laughs> his out politics his, is slightly different. Yeah, yeah, his music. So all of the lights is one of my favorite songs as well. So I, mm-hmm. I align more with them. I mean, Wonderwall's a classic. I love Oasis. So yeah, Kieran Lee. Um, I think Ian Ever also chose We Are the Champions, which yes. Uh, ho- hopefully he'll be maybe not. Well, actually, yeah, in in, uh, in two weeks maybe he'll be listening to that. But um, yeah, other than that, it was yeah, it's it's mix of Adele's and stuff like that, isn't it? So uh, yeah, I'd probably align more with the. I think George Thomason and George Johnston yeah. maybe chose Kanye, so I'd align more with them and Kieran Lee. I've got nothing against Kanye. Let it be said, uh, and this is not his politics. This is I can separate the artist <laughs> from the person, um, but the the music is fine. Um, there was some, there were, there were some genuinely surprising. I mean, this you know anybody that has ever read a Match Day Live will know that I am absolutely obsessed with music, and I, my my tastes are all over the place. So I'm no. It would I would literally if I got asked to do this, I would be up for two weeks beforehand, unable to sleep because it would kill me yeah. to try and have to pick three or four songs. It'd be impossible. So what sort of time these guys were given, I don't know. But there were some surprising ones. Uh, Ricardo Santos liking Coldplay, that threw me, I have, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> I, it didn't yeah. surprise me that he brought his mate in Jay Huss. Uh, I knew that would be the case. Um, Connor Bradley picking Yes Sir, I Can Boogie. That, yeah. that threw me, I've got to say. Um, yeah, Jack Iadell, Taylor, Taylor Swift, and a bit of uh, bit of George Michael towards the end, Careless Whisper as well. Um, I mean, I have no idea what's going through Lloyd Isgrove's mind. No idea whatsoever. Either side of the Lighthouse family and Little Mix, there was just noise. I don't know what it was at all. <laughs> um, Deck John, I think he's probably a close second for me, for, for Kieran Lee. I, I think he said Coldplay, who I hate, but never mind. Uh, Sinatra, Fair Dues, uh, One Direction, okay. And then Stereophonics, which you can, you can appreciate. He's Welsh. Um George Johnson really likes James Bond. That's that's a big thing that came out of that for me. Right. Um, and he doesn't listen to many love songs. <laughs> he has uh, a stone for a heart. 
He does, yeah. Uh, he's, I'm sure his partner <laughs> loves that about him. As you say, George Thompson came out of it quite well. He did a bit of a uh, bit of ABBA, a bit of Frank Sinatra, Imagine Dragons, and such like. Lovely Day by Bill Withers, which was a classy touch. Um, Joel Dixon, the lesser spotted Joel Dixon, um, picked out the uh, a bit of Avicii, um, and also uh, the Papa brand new pig bag perfecto wall stars nonsense they play at Middlesbrough as well so he's obviously a Borough yeah. fan um, and then right towards the end I saved the best till last because um, I just I, I there's no way I could have ever ever forecast what was going through James Trafford's mind in general not just about music just in general um, but he, he was quite solid, to be honest. LF System, Olivia Rodrigo, and uh, a bit of Drake as well. So we found out that James Trafford is always late as well. A little little nugget. He's never on time. He's always late. <laughs> so there we go. Um, but yes, I love those uh, those little things. It's a bit like a Desert Island Discs. I thought it was quite, uh, quite illuminating. Um, so go on then, Henry. You've got one Desert Island Disc. Uh, what's, what are you going to play? Oh, uh, I'm going to play. I'll tell you what, my one of my I, a bit of a, a, a nugget about me. I'm a massive Justin Timberlake fan, right? Uh, and the first dance at my wedding was Mirrors, so I would choose Mirrors. Wow, I mean, I, I, I I'm not a big Timberlake uh, Justin Timberlake fan, but you know, I, I appreciate his acting. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I think. What about you? I can't, I can't. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I danced to my first my wedding. It was uh, At My Most Beautiful by R.E.M. Um, actually, no, it oh. wasn't. I tell a lie. Um, <laughs> I should remember that off the top of my head. We wanted that song, but we got married in Cyprus and my mum and dad forgot to bring the CD over. Um, <laughs> so instead, we did True Love Ways by Buddy Holly. But that would have been, that should have been uh, the first song that I danced to. But never mind, we, we will, uh, we'll move on. Um, right, after the musical interlude... Let's shower ourselves down with a couple of emails. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. It's the postbag time. Thank you very much for sending in your emails. I've got to get a few out of the, a couple out of the way this week um, that apply straight to the Ipswich game, um, because otherwise they'll get old and dusty. This one is from Sam, and he says, Mark and Henry, having witnessed the team in person over the last 18 months, I'd be unable to clearly state what our style of play is. The biggest source of confusion is derived from our approach to goal kicks, as half the team seems to be instructed to play possession-based football and the other half direct football. Specifically, we currently have the centre-backs alongside the deepest central midfielder attempting to play out from the back. Meanwhile, the remainder of the team are positioned high up the pitch and unavailable to assist in this possession-based style of play. The wing-backs being positioned nearer the halfway line at goal kicks being the most egregious uh, example of this. As we saw against Dipswich, the results are that the centre-halves are often unable to play through an opponent's press and going long. This invariably leads to a loss of possession and our centre-forwards are not adept at playing at this manner. in this manner. Um, even if they win the ball, the team's often too spread and too thin to assist them. Um, if you want to be a possession-based team, surely the team needs to be instructed to sit much deeper during goal kicks. Uh, he does go on a little bit more, but he basically wants to know, how do you, Henry, uh, describe the style of play under Ian Everts, and what improvements would you like to see in our general play? Ooh, um, 
It's detailed, and I, I get the, the... I mean, the goal kick was sending people nuts at the weekend. But weirdly, Ipswich did exactly the same, and they were fine with it. It was working. <laughs> so, I'll yeah, make that point. Uh, well, like I said before, I think on the whole it works for me. I think, you know, listen, I'm no... Uh, I, you know, I don't really know tactics. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I know there's some, some podcasters like to pretend that they know all about football and stuff when they have as much education as, as the rest of us. But um, I think for me, looking at it as a, as a fan and as an observer, I think the reason that uh, probably the, 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 the play seems stretched, for example, like the, the strikers are right at the top and, expecting a long ball from Trafford and then the defence is practically on his goal line, is I think they, they try and get the ball up the field as quickly as possible, but at, at their own, um, you know, in their own way. I think, whereas I said before, you know, you've probably got a better chance of retaining possession when you are playing it out from the back rather than just hoofing it up. And I think that's probably why is that they want to get the ball up, not in as quick a time as if Trafford was just to kick it up, but quite, they want to get the ball up as quickly as possible but then passing it themselves and short passes are obviously easier to control than long passes. But um, that's what I'd say. In terms of our style of play, I'd say we're, we are a passing team. We're a pressing team. Um, you know, and I, I don't, I, the thing is, on the whole, and I've said this throughout the season, I think we play really good football. And I think we've, this Bolton team probably plays the best football I've seen in a long time. Maybe that Owen Coyle side until the, the Stoke game and that season. Um, you know, and, and I, I think Big Sam's teams were criminally underrated at playing football. Like when you've got a cotter in your team, but apparently you play long ball, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think we we yeah we're a passing team, and it, to be honest, it doesn't surprise me that most of the time when you listen to opposition managers previewing games and in, in the press conferences, they all say that Bolton are a good team. They're a, we play good football, mm. so I. I, do, I, I, get, I can't get it with the fans. I do understand that, that everyone wants it to be perfect, but even if it was perfect, people would still find something to moan about. I'm sure Man City fans find stuff to moan about. Um, oh, they do. I know I know a couple and they do nothing but moan. Yeah, so, so I, you know, I think we're a, a, a pressing team, a passing team um, who like to dominate possession, and I think that's that's what we do. The one point I will make on the goal kick is that it's designed to try and draw some space, to try and draw people in, obviously, you know, to attract. So they, they have as many options and to play quickly through the middle. Um, I, ideally, I think at the weekend, it was to try and get Dion Charles sort of in behind the centre-halves and, and, and to, have, to have the option of playing that, that ball over the top to him. Um, but it all ended up being a little bit panicked. And, and and the other thing is, when you are... If you're going to be that team, if you're going to be the team that, that lines a few centre-halves up, put a goal kick and, and passes along the air, you've got to be brave. You've got to be able to pass as well. And all that is accentuated with confidence. So if if you're not being brave and confident on the ball, then it's not going to work. And you may as well just, just knock it long. And I think it possibly took them a little bit of time to just realise that wasn't working, I think, on Saturday and to go slightly more uh, direct and, and straightforward. And I think that's 
probably the the route back into it for Bolton is just maybe taking a little bit more of the detail out the the kind of the passing strategies that they've got and just making it a little bit more simplistic until they can build up that confidence again. So, um, but I agree with you. It's good when it works, and you know the more the the better players they get in there, the better it will work. Um, they're they're not all the way through this kind of journey or whatever. They they you know they they're not the end product. They're not the finished product rather. Um, okay, let's move on to another email. This one is from Angry from Breitmut. I've put down, I've not copied his name across, but never mind. Uh, a quick message to see what your thoughts were on the atmosphere against Ipswich. Where I sit in the East Stand, it's clear to see a lot of newer fans were at the game. You can tell that because none of them know where their seat is and there's always a confused look on their face. I noticed that many of these people left the ground early. A cardinal sin in my book, and I think a lot of them had spent much of the game moaning and shouting abuse at the players. Why they didn't just stay in Nando's and save themselves a few quid, I don't know. Um, I don't know what you think, but I think we could do without these clowns. It brings a whole new stadium. Sorry, it brings the whole stadium down and can't help the players. There was more noise from 2,500 people at Morecambe in the last game than 20,000 at home, and you have to ask yourself why. He is angry. He is, yeah. Um, I think, I th- well, I think away there's more noise anyway. That's that's with any team, you know. Like even the the teams who get the most fans, the likes of Man United of this world, their away following is is better than the home following in terms of making noise. But like, I think that's just natural. In you know, I think the the thing for me is in that case you've got a question. Well, what would you rather have? Would you rather have? 13,000 in the stadium but everyone's you know chanting throughout the game and making noise and it's you know or would you rather have 20,000 and there's there's a a few thousand fans who are who are turning up because you know the Bolton Wanderers are doing well and they, mm. they wanted to experience it I think this is possibly uh, what they might have had in the 90s when Bolton started doing well. You know, you look at some of the attendances in Division 4, like 5,000, and within five years, Burnham had 20,000 in it. So they can't all be fans that just don't turn up. Um, so I, I think it's it's all part of bringing new fans to the club. And I, I'm, you know, for me personally, I would rather see the stadium, you know, three quarters full rather than half empty. Um, and if that means that you've got these uh, fair weather fans coming, then so be it. You know, we, we're in a, a, a crap catchment area to try and win fans. Uh, you know, the irony is, you look at like Ipswich, for example. Ipswich, what a catchment area they're in. They've got no, they've got Norwich, and that's it for mm. fifty miles. Whereas Bolton, in the, if you look at within fifty miles, you've not only got four of the biggest clubs in the world in Merseyside and Manchester, you've also got Leeds and then you go south to Stoke and then all the teams are in Lancashire and Yorkshire. It's it's a joke. So, yeah, if we can try and win fans from other clubs and go and give them a different experience, then, um, then brilliant. But part of that is just like you see at United and City is that, you know, these fans aren't going to stay to the end of the game because they're not, they don't have that passion like the other fans do. They don't have the passion thinking. Even at 2-0 down the other day, 90% of you thinks that we've lost this game, but there's still that 10% that thinks if we get a goal, we can get a second here. 
you know, like, so you, you do stay to the end. So, yeah, I, I think it's just, it's it's what what do you want? Do you want Bolton to have attendances over 20,000? Um, and, yeah, you are going to have a few Fairweather fans turn up, or would you rather have 12 and, and it's just a hard cause? Do you know what else is within 50 miles of Ipswich? Go on. Amsterdam. That's all okay. I'm saying. That's, they should be playing in Holland. <laughs> anyway, uh, very quick one from Paul. Uh, dear Mark and Henry, as a Bolton fan living in Munich, I go to very few games these days, but do look forward to the podcast to keep things up with all things whites. Any road, Bolton players as cartoon characters. This is very much in my wheelhouse, a bit of punnery. Uh, Dastardly and Prattley, Gary Speedy Gonzalez, Hong, Hong Chung Fui, and mm. Fireman Big Sam. Cheers, Paul. Short, sweet, to the point, and most importantly, on brand. Thank you very much, Paul. I uh, I do envy you living in Munich, by the way. I love that place. Okay, let's uh, move on. And after a deluge, a deluge of emails requesting Danny Chatou as uh, given another airing, we decided now is the time. Yes, he's back for a guest appearance. I might add, it wasn't actually a deluge. It was, uh, it was more of a trickle. And to be fair, a lot of those emails were also from from this, exactly the same person. So um, we're effectively doing requests now, Henry. Um, either way, do you remember the rules of Danny Shitu? Of course I do. We we did we well we changed it a little bit, so we may have to remind people what the are we going back to the 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 start where it's uh, first letter of the surname or I think we did we do first letter of the first name at one point and we did. Uh, the, let's yeah, the go. Of, let's go. The, the actor have made over fifty appearances for Bolton. <laughs> I think that one happened at one point. <laughs> there has been a few different incarnations, right? Okay, let's start with. Uh, I, I'll serve, start with the player's name. You have to come up with one which begins with the last letter of his surname. So, if I said uh, Kangana Lord Ndiwa, you you would be uh, just like, what on earth did you just said? And also, it would be an A. So you could say Alan Boswell, for example. And then right. it'd be L after that. Yes, so that's the that's the rules. They are the official Danny Shitu rules. And of course, if a player has a, a name that starts and ends with the same letter, you can change it. It's like top trumps. You can change the trump and go for a letter that you know um, the opposition player will struggle with. That's a Danny Shitu. Okay, right. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to serve you an Andy Tut. Andy Tut, right. So that's E. E. Ida Good Johnson. And Ida Good Johnson is an L, and I'm going to go for Nigel Jensen. Uh, Nigel is a, Jensen. Nigel Jensen is a Danny Shitu. Right, N. No, you're going to have a no. Oh, no, okay. Oscar Ferrakeld. Oscar Ferrakeld is a D, and I'm going to give you David Burke, an E. E. Eddie Hopkinson. That's another N, so I'm going to go for... Neil Watmore, which is an E again. Oof. Um, e. Come on. E. Uh, L, is it Elliot? Elliot? Eddie? Who had Eddie? Uh, Three. Um, uh, e. Two. Come on. Oh, I'm rusty One. at this. 
Oh, he, zero. He, uh, My word, that was a that was a poor do. E. Bolton plays with E. Ed, I'm trying to think of first names. There'll be loads. Yet again, people will be tweeting me. People will be messaging and going, oh, you missed this person. You missed that person. I'm under pressure. It's this... half ten in the morning on a Wednesday, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't let that stop you emailing and uh, and tweeting <laughs> Henry. Really, um, I think he should be scolded for... What is an all-time low on Danny Shatu? Uh, I know we're out of practice, mate, but I mean, that was, that was, t- that was t- I barely had a chance to warm up. I almost won a rematch, but I'm not going to because I won. Um, uh, yeah, I've just thought of two who have the same uh, first name and uh, their chant is in the same as Owen Kyle, Owen Kyle, Owen uh, Doyle and Owen Toll. So there you go. Uh, right, there's right. ease. No one tweet me. I thought you were about to Elias Ernie Pidian. Pidian. This- there's loads. Oh, there's loads now. This is. <sighs> Listen, I mean, you'd said Ida, but I mean, Jufy, surely Jufy, the all-time oh. king of people that start with E. Uh, anyway, it's it's been and gone now, Henry. I mean, I would I hope you don't lie awake at night and uh, and and think about players beginning with E. But uh, I think you should do. I think you should have a. <laughs> no, well, I, I definitely will. Myself. And then next next time we play it, E won't come up, and it'll be a, I don't know. A, yeah, it'll, be a Quaid, it'll be a Quaid, Taylor. It'll be a Quaid, Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. No one no one at me. That was It was poor. I accept that. It's early. I'm rusty at Danny Shitu. And we are we have three players in our current team that begin with E. And uh, I've forgot them all. Also at him. Right, it's time for <laughs> predictions. Predictions, predictions, predictions. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Right, let's talk about Sheffield Wednesday. 22 games unbeaten, at home, flying high, automatic promotion, virtually in the bag. But they are missing a couple of players. Crucially, they're missing Iorfer on the right side of the defence. He's been a really good player for them this season. Potentially, they're missing Byers in midfield as well. They've got a couple of others uh, that have been injured for a while. So... Uh, maybe there's a chink in the armour, who knows, maybe I'm just being overly optimistic, but you've said for a couple of weeks now that there's a funny feeling in your waters that there could be something here for Wanderers. Do you retain that feeling? I do, actually. Um, this will go either one or two ways. We'll lose 2-0 and uh, they'll be comfortable or we'll manage to pull something out of the bag. Um yeah, I, I mean, I take a draw. I'm not going to lie, but um, I think it's this game. It's our last game against the, one of the big hitters, um, and I think it'd be great to just put a marker down going into. I, I still think we'll make the playoffs. You know, I, I think I know Wickham won the other day and Peterborough won and mm. whatever, but I still think we'll make the playoffs. We'll be fine, um, and I think this would be a great marker to put down, not only before the Papa John's, but also for the rest of the season to show the the team that they can do it against the, the one of the teams who I mean they're not going to be in the playoffs but a type of team that is going to be in the playoffs so um, yeah I'm going to go go with a 1-1 one, one. a 1-1 one, one. Uh, do you know what I'm going to say nil-nil I very rarely go for a nil-nil but just just why not let's go for nil-nil I, based not upon my head but more my heart that uh, a nil-nil draw at Hillsborough on a Friday night sounds like something I would write about um, or be forced to write about. Uh, because 
Nobody's expecting Bolton to get anything at all. I do agree with Gethin Jones. It's almost a free hit. Go there. Name a, a, an experience. You've got Kachunga coming back in next Wednesday. You've got Kieran Lee coming in next Wednesday. You know, stir the crowd up. Make it a, make it a more difficult environment. Get some experience in that team, and uh, and and grind one out. That that be and what effect would that have on Wembley? I mean, obviously the next game after that is Plymouth at Wembley. There's a bit of an international break. A few of the lads are away, but generally speaking, you're building up to that game. If they got something at Hillsborough. How much of a positive effect would that have? Oh, it'd be massive. I think it would be. I think for the fans as well, it'd be massive. Um, you know, I think the for the fans, yeah. If we get beat, there'll be the uh, the postmortem as they normally is. But then there'll be. I think people start getting excited for Wembley. Mm. You know, after the weekend. Um, but I think. Uh, I, I think. You know, for for Bolton and and I know quite a few of teams. But by the time we played that Plymouth game, I think there's we're going to be on the same amount of games. In yes. fact, we'll probably ironically be one or two behind some teams. But um, but I, I think uh, if we can get something, it just means that people aren't necessarily looking at the playoffs as much. You suddenly, if we lose and get beat, you know, quite heavily on uh, on Friday. Suddenly, people on Saturday were looking at how are Wickham doing, how are Peterborough doing, are we falling behind Derby and Barnsley, um, and it's, it's, it starts on a negative feel. But um, but no, it'd be massive if we can get something. No, keep positive. I mean, as you say, it'll be a, a quite a level playing field by the time Bolton get back after Sheffield Wednesday into into league action. But there is eight games. It's it's loads. If you think about where Bolton were eight games ago. And what's happened since? There's lots of football to be played. It will not rest upon what happens at Hillsborough. They can do themselves harm. They can do themselves a lot of good. But it won't define what happens for the rest of their season, that result. I think that's an important thing to keep in your mind, regardless of what happens Friday night. Um, but I still think Bolton will get to the top six. I still think they'll manage it. I still think they'll find an answer as... Ian Everts teams almost always do. So I think that's uh, that's the positive thought to take out of this podcast, Henry. And to those who have tuned in from all the continents and all the countries and all the various parts of Bolton and everywhere else, um, I just wanted to say thank you very, very much because uh, uh, it means a lot to us. All the great reviews we've been getting as well have been, uh, been much, much, much appreciated. Um, a little quick mention as well for those coming down on the first, sorry, the second of April, of course, for the Wembley, um, for the Wembley trip on coaches. Uh, Starbucks is open from five o'clock. Uh, Greg's is open from half past four. There we the, go. I think they're putting the fans on fan zone open as well you'd have to be a brave man to start drinking at that time in the morning but fair dues there's uh there's a bit of scran on i dare say um so they're, they're pulling out all the stops but most importantly you'll also be able to grab yourself a souvenir edition of the bolton news uh for your trip down there read a few exclusive interviews we're also doing an exclusive um edition of the buff for Wembley as well with uh, with lots of stuff that I've got from the players over the past few days and we'll be garnering over the next week or so as well we'll be speaking to some of the guys who went down for the Sherpa Van Trophy final for example I won't uh, I won't say which ones because I haven't exactly uh, got it sorted yet but we will be doing uh, Julian Darby um, so yes it's going to be fun it's going to be fun 
Um, so keep your eyes out and do, as I mentioned at the very top of the podcast, consider subscribing to the Bolt News so you get every single bit of it. So don't miss out. And until next Friday, I have been Mark. I'm not worried about Wickham. Honestly, Isles. And I'm Henry. Uh, we are the one and only Wanderers Hewitt. And this has been The Buff.